Behind the Bite podcast is part of a network of podcasts that are good for the world. Check out podcasts like the Full of Shift podcast, After the First Marriage podcast, and Eating Recovery Academy over at practiceofthepractice.com backslash network. Welcome to Behind the Bite podcast. This podcast is about the real life struggles women face with food, body image, and weight. We're here to help heal, inspire, and create better, healthier lives. Welcome. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome. You know, eating is a basic need, just like water. And, you know, I'm not saying anything short of the obvious when I say we have to eat in order to live because food is our only source of fuel. It really is our only source of nutrition. Yet, as basic as that is, is this, it is also complicated. And there are so many questions out there about it. And on the last two episodes, I had guests on here discussing just this and how so early on it seems we lose our ability to know when we're hungry or just start to get so confused about how or what to feed ourselves. Food has become so much more than fuel and nutrition. So, so much more. And for someone like myself, who's an eating disorder specialist, I have been trained to treat people who have illnesses, these very severe illnesses. And by the time people reach out to me, they're very sick and in need of treatment. And I've talked about treatment and the different types of treatment on this podcast, and treatment's important. But what I've not spent so much time discussing is prevention. Asking things like how eating disorders can be prevented. I mean, is is that even possible? And if so, where and when can interventions be effective in people's lives so that they have less of a likelihood of having an eating disorder and needing treatment? So this is what the guests on the show today are here to discuss. I think it's a very important topic and one I'm definitely looking forward to having with them. Lauren is a psychotherapist and Michelle is an occupational therapist and together they are the hope space. They specialize in eating disorders and they absolutely love what they do. They are passionate about long-term rehabilitation and believe that everyone deserves a chance at a full and happy life. Okay, well, Michelle and Lauren, I'm so excited to have you here. This is going to be such a great discussion today. But, uh, you know, for people who don't know who you are, would you like mind telling us like who you are, why you're so passionate about this? How did, you know, how did you get to the space in life where you're at today? <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm Lauren Erin. I am the director and founder of The Hope Space. And Michelle is one of my best friends, but we're both healthcare professionals. And, you know, you can imagine what the dinner party conversations are like at, you know, when people come over and we talk about these things. So I think we've always had that, you know, that justice streak (laughs) and that's kind of bounded us together so I'm a psychotherapist so yes I'm Michelle I'm I'm one of the occupational therapists and I was brought on board to the hope space about um a year well yeah a year ago almost now and uh definitely also super passionate about eating disorders especially in in young people as well Mm. so I think something that the hope space is really trying to push for at the moment is um, awareness around eating disorders in young people so we're trying to integrate ourselves into more schools and going at a younger age being um, educating more at a younger age as well so yeah super passionate about that 
Um, so did you start out um, like knowing each other before? Like, were you friends or how did you all connect? That's such a good story, actually. Yeah, so you go for it. We, so we actually we met in 2020. We both moved to London. So we both grew up in South Africa. We're looking for opportunities in London. We both moved over not knowing each other at all. And then a family friend who was already there decided, let's make them meet. Um, <laughs> they thought we would get along and she was absolutely right. We got along like a house on fire and um, sort of moved in together within six months. Uh, and then realized that actually our families live about four minutes apart in South Africa. So <laughs> it was a really, really like big coincidence. Mm. And it's, it's actually ended up being such a blessing. Mm. And about, I think for about a good year, two years, you had been trying to bring me on board for the Hope Space. <laughs> and I was very nervous because I was nervous to go into business with one of my best friends. Yeah. Um, but it's actually been really, really easy. Mm. And I think mm. because, you know, like Lauren was saying earlier, the dinner conversations are awesome because you get to speak about the stuff that you're passionate about. So yeah, it's actually, it was a beautiful, beautiful story. We were actually in, uh, where were we? It was Pasitano, Amalfi Coast, over a glass of wine. She was like, just come on to Hope Space. I know that you're going to be good. Please like join me as an, as an occupational therapist. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so yeah. I think we, we talk a lot as therapists or psychotherapists or psychologists and you know, I, I needed someone that was going to come on and be really practical with my clients and take them out for meals and take them clothes shopping and do all of these things. And I just thought it would be such a good pair. So it's worked out. Mm -hmm. What a great story. And who's going to say no on the Amalfi Coast over wine? Absolutely. <laughs> that actually got me at a really good point. So I was, I was after a pizza and a really good glass of wine. And I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. So, you know, we're here today, you know, really to discuss, um, you know, something I haven't actually talked about just specifically on the podcast, um, which is prevention. I talk a lot about treatment, um, mm. but I don't think there's a lot talked about prevention. And I think it's important because, it's, at least in the States, you know, we're seeing a, a earlier and earlier uh, kids talking about their bodies, talking about... Yeah. Uh, you know, all these different things with uh, feeling insecure about you know, how they look or even talking mm -hmm. about like, I need to go on a diet and there's, mm -hmm. you know, I'm seeing it more and more and younger and younger and it's really disturbing me. Um, so, you know, what do you, what do you have to say about all this? Like, what are you seeing? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, especially in practice now that we're getting these long waiting lists to come into treatment it is quite concerning and I think almost shocking when you're hearing other therapists talk about, oh my word, Lauren, I'm getting referred clients at the age of two years old. You know, you do wonder, oh, what is actually going on? And also a lot of parents that are struggling with their own relationship with food coming into treatment and saying, my, my daughter's come home today and said, mommy, you know, I can't eat dinner because I've had too much lunch or I can't have my birthday cake. You know, this is very, very concerning and very sad when our kiddos should be, you know, climbing trees and running around the garden and playing with their toys and whatever they want to do and being so really concerned with what they look like. But I think this is all that we hear a lot of the time yeah. with this, you know, 
negative body talk, social media, food culture. I think everyone's impacted, no matter how small, no matter how old. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, some of the um, statistics in the UK, essentially the prevalence for eating disorders, it's mostly now seen from the age of 10 um, and shoots up around the age of 17 to 19. Those are your where your like key hospital admissions are. And I can imagine it's very similar in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, in the USA. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it's almost like we need to be questioning what's happening at those ages and what we can try and do to help at, at an earlier age. Mm-hmm. We need to be thinking about those types of things. It's very concerning that people are, are having such like body image and um, concerns around food at such a young age when you should be thinking about how am I going to climb this tree or how am I going to go and play, you know, mm-hmm. rather than being so focused on food. Um, and I think, yeah, just, just it, I, mean, I think there was even a, there's a prevalence even over COVID, right? Mm-hmm. What was that statistic? That just, I think it, it's such a coping mechanism that the, the it stuff, was for, for young young children to adolescents I think there was an increase in 40% over 40% of admissions into hospital in three years so it's it's significant um and it is I think we need to recognize that it is a coping mechanism at the end of the day so we also want to take away that stigma as you know as as soon as you start talking about body image and eating disorders there's a stigma around it so if you start talking about it at such an early age there's a there's a really big stigma around it and I think it's more that we need to think about how do we talk about it in a safe space how do we create awareness in a safe environment how do we bring awareness that doesn't create more stigmatism Well, I think, you know, when we were talking about what we were going to bring to to this podcast today, we were saying, wow, this feels so big. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it feels, yeah. it, it, you know, it's how do you tackle such a massive issue? Um, and we it also linked for us the shame that so many people struggling with disordered yeah. eating have. Yeah. So people don't really often want to talk about it. I actually had a client this week who said to me, Lauren, I don't know anyone like me. And I was like, everyone that sees me says that, yeah. you know? So I think we were trying to, we were trying to think about how could we bre- focus more on prevention without focusing so much on pathology. Yeah. And rather really focusing on holistic health and well-being and cultivating those spaces and meaningful conversations and allowing our, you know, our kids Just time. To just to be yeah. kids and to also just share their little feelings. Well, they're very big feelings and they're <laughs> for little people. Little people. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I, I think that's to the point too. It's so sad because, you know, how much emphasis is placed on appearance and weight just in terms of health. And, and I think to your point, it's like we're neglecting other areas of health and growth yeah. in kids. So, you know, we're not yeah. saying wow, that's such a creative idea, or I loved how you were so nice to your friend, or, mm. you, know, you know, we're not looking at the, you know, I talk a lot about all these other areas of wellness just in life, you know, like emotional wellness, or yes. intellectual wellness, or social wellness, you know, like there's all these other areas we don't tap into, and I think there's mm. in the states too, there's so much emphasis on 
you know, the diet and beauty industry, they're pumping all this out there in terms of like, you know, you need to look a certain way, weight loss, being quote unquote healthy, good food, bad food, this and that. And mm-hmm. when I ask people, what do you think? You know, if you're healthy, they define it as physical health and you absolutely healthy if you look a certain way. If you look yeah. healthy, then you must be. But, you know, I've always said this on this podcast. There are many people who are very unhealthy, doing very unhealthy things to their bodies to look on the outside like they're healthy. And that's and isn't that scary that is scary Mm -hmm. um and we're not really fostering all the other things like kindness compassion happiness like fun right like kids Mm -hmm. have fun go out on the you know and recess and play and run you know yeah and i think you know what when you like you were just saying when it's such a big system that you we're not going to make changes to this massive system where you know for example like social media they're going to pump out whatever they want in social media if anything it's probably getting worse right Mm -hmm. we're not going to change that so that is what it is right although things are changing a little bit right now there's new policies around you do need to you know disclaim if you're using a filter i think there are some things small little changes but it's a big system to to tackle perhaps yes 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 exactly exactly i think it's um what i'm more trying to say is you know that there's 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 a culture and how do we change a culture that can be really really tricky Mm -hmm. that can be really really hard so when we were coming to talk about this podcast we were thinking how do we make effective changes when it's actually there's such a big system so like you were just saying, I think it's more around creating these healthy habits. It's not necessarily about saying, listen, we need to be watching what our weight looks like, or we need to be watching, um, you know, putting in policies around, you know, if you're obese, for example, it's not, it's, that's not what we should be focusing on. It should be creating healthy, sustainable habits. Mm-hmm. I think that's more that's going to make a bigger difference if we're bringing awareness and education around healthy habits it's like you say if you could be looking absolutely brilliant but not necessarily having very healthy sustainable habits at all and I think this is another thing we need it this is where we can create and foster spaces where people feel heard where people are feeling safe enough to come out with their emotions and talk about what they're feeling because the the alternative is then to turn to an eating disorder because as your coping mechanism rather than coming into safe um, um, spaces where you can talk and say I'm not feeling okay mm. um, and, that, and that's, that, that's okay that, and that's okay 100 percent it needs to be there needs to be I think there needs to be spaces lower down whether it's at home whether it's at school where we're talking about it's okay to talk about your emotions and it's okay to be different you were you were saying this earlier it's okay to look different to one another and I know that's we I think there's a lot of talk about that but you know especially when it comes to ethnicity or genetics everyone's going to be different no one's going to look like the models on the on the posters that they're pushing out on the and social media those models don't even look like those people no because they're <laughs> yeah, right. so it's tricky <laughs> so we need to be creating spaces i think at younger ages where people can speak and be heard and feel safe mm. and and that i think that comes a lot with creating awareness and education at at in, at a school level even at a primary school level mm. Absolutely. Especially if you're coming up with eating disorders at two years old. 
That's all weighed for the was a big stack. Yeah. It's a big stack mm-hmm. in the UK at the moment. Yeah. So it can feel feel very overwhelming. <laughs> like how do you how do you tackle the system? But I think there are small things that we can change at a at a school going level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is that some of the work you guys are doing? Are you going directly into schools and working directly with youth to to try to make some shifts and changes? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we're really trying to collaborate more with schools, especially because so many of the clients are coming at a school age into into you know outpatient treatments or having to be referred into more intensive care treatment. So now we just we sat down and said, no, we need to be going to to the root yeah, and absolutely. really just doing more awareness um programs. And I guess you know, as you were talking, Michelle, I was also thinking to myself, you know, if you follow a you know, a cognitive behavioral therapy for eating disorders approach, which I think many therapists do, especially because it's part of the NICE guidelines, it's a lot of it is about adding value to your life. 100%. Because if you fill your life with a bit more value and you have quality of life, then food and body becomes a bit less of the focus. And yeah. I think that's kind of what what where you're going with what you're saying in terms of yeah, let's put some exciting things in people's lives yeah. and get them absolutely I think this is what sort of the programs that we're thinking about introducing into the UK. It's more around, um, you know, if you, we, it's scary to go in and talk about eating disorders and bring awareness about eating disorders because of the stigmatism to families. Instead, you, we could be thinking more around, um, like, for example, an all or nothing thinking pattern. You could go in and say, you know the black and white thinking is is this what you're experiencing in your daily lives and doing family sessions and that type of thing bringing in those types of programs or or um doing like a fun fun days I want to say fun days but like (laughs) you know um where you actually are teaching kids to focus on playing and um being sociable with their friends at a younger age and that's what the priority is at that age or focusing on eating like healthy eating styles healthy eating habits um rather than needing to be a certain bmi or certain weight focusing on a weight it doesn't need to be focusing on a weight because it's not going to be the same for everybody and the bmi is not going to be the same for everybody and that's okay so i think the the conversations need to be also very tailored at a for young people and families of young people Mm. needs to be around bringing in um just you know, happiness, well-being at a young age, rather than the focus of it being on eating disorders specifically. Mm. And you know, yeah, it's just wanted to hit on that for a second because I've had some uh, other podcasts where you know we've talked about this quote-unquote healthy eating, and I think that's where parents get like up in kind of arms, like, oh well, you know, when they hear that word, they kind of get into diet mode and very restrictive. Yes. Healthy right. means so many different things. And so that yeah. thing for people listening, that might be a bit triggering, like, well, what does that mean? Right. Um, and I think that's where but that's maybe where the hiccup is too. Um maybe, yes. So you know, for example, I'll give I'll give something that kind of stuck with me a little bit. My my kids are a little bit older now, but I remember in elementary school it being so fun. I don't know what you have in the UK, but it would it would be like the best days I would look forward to. Like we had the Valentine's Day parties and the St. Patty's Day parties, yes. like all of that, right? The Halloween parties where there was candy and, you know, it was like a different day in school. And, you know, we had all the candies and this and that. And 
it was so sad to me. I was like, <laughs> part of all my kids, like days like that. Right. And they made this, uh, the school made a policy where there was no longer allowed food for the class parties. They had to bring pencils or, you know, cards or something for like Valentine's. They couldn't bring cupcakes. Even on birthdays, we used to bring, when my kids were little, little, kindergarten, first grade, they could bring cupcakes for the class. And then that got banned. No, there's no sugar. <gasps> there's no sweets. There's no this kind of food. They were deemed quote unquote unhealthy. And I got very sad. Mm-hmm. I was like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. But there was this emphasis on that's not quote unquote healthy. We need to teach the kids healthy habits, right? And to your mm-hmm. point of the all or nothing, right? So when I hear you saying this, Michelle, I'm going, Oh, like was just boom in my head. Like, what does that actually look like? Because I thought that was, that was the worst thing possible. What is this teaching our kids? Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I I think this is where we also make maybe the mistake because as eating disorders specialists, for us, healthy is everything in moderation. There is no good. There is no bad. It's well-rounded, right? That there's no limitations on anything. It's about developing that permission. But we forget sometimes when we're talking amongst ourselves that so we know what healthy means, but it's yes. not necessarily very <laughs> well known. So, like I, I used to live with a, a dietitian a couple of years ago and I said to her the one time, so what are the bad foods and what are the good foods? Like, what do I need to be avoiding in my, my daily life? And what, and she was like, Michelle, and I think she actually got a little bit upset with me. She's like, Michelle, there is actually, there's no good foods or bad foods. There's none. Like you need to actually just understand that everything in moderation. So, you know, what are you achieving by taking away cupcakes and cookies from kids at such a young age? Even what? from adults? Even like what it what is that achieving actually? Mm. If mm. anything, you can say you could you could create like I suppose more awareness on those types of days and say, absolutely, have those cookies. That's fantastic. This is a this is a great way to celebrate on those days. Mm-hmm. It doesn't but you know that maybe not every day that you eat all of the cookies and all of the cakes and everything but in moderation is always a good thing you know that I think that's what we more taking away and and trying to supplement with just salad that's not no. that's not healthy either that's not no. healthy either it can be it's, it's a very tricky conversation actually to be having at those ages but maybe that's where the conversations need to be start started at such a young age with those families mm, because I families. can imagine if, if I was, if I had my kids in that school and they had taken away the cookies, I think I'd be up in arms. And I'd be like, I, I, that's when those types of conversations, I think, need to happen mm. exactly at those ages. Because if you take it away, what does that say to your kid? Don't, don't enjoy life? What does it say to you? What are you teaching? Mm. Oh, my head it's, was spinning, but I felt like, oh, gosh. Like, I want to get on my soapbox, but it was, like, already done. And I was like, mm. I believe me, I wanted to have, like, an in-service and, like... <laughs> have all sorts of things said but you know like one one voice in the hundreds right but this is exactly your point like why I'm so grateful that you guys are trying to come up with things to bring into Mm -hmm. the school so that there's not like one or two voices that are like drowned out amongst the many right absolutely absolutely and you know we also understand that going in and even you know okay we think that educating teachers and parents is so important but we also realize that teachers are often really overburdened Mm -hmm. by everything that they need to do and you know looking after all of these kids and 
you know, so to go and put another thing on the to-do list, there's also, you know, we, we also, it also needs to be fair and people need to have capacity to hold the stuff. So we were even thinking, you know, how cool would it be to do, you know, maybe more befriending programs or external support, you know, Absolutely. that's the hope space coming in and supporting the teachers, not meaning that the actual system significantly needs to change, but help maybe them with awareness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just changing making like micro changes in the system because I think making major changes is, is going to put too much strain on capacity and on, on teachers and their capacity mm-hmm. so I think make, making changes such as those befriending programs I think that's something quite simple like older kids perhaps chatting to younger kids that that, that would be more that, that could be a safe space where you can use um to come and, and speak about any concerns rather than turning to the eating disorder as a coping mechanism yeah I also think you know what are we wanting to talk to my teacher but yeah. if there was a cooler or was a kid yeah maybe you I'll know it maybe I would feel I would quite feel quite special <laughs> like that. Yeah. I think I mean it, it, you can always say that all the teachers can definitely check in more with the kids Absolutely. or they can also be advocating for more healthy eating habits or whatever um, but I think they have a lot on their plate, so it's not only about them. It's it's about educating the whole school system around, mm-hmm. around, yeah, around eating well. So have you? I'm just curious in thinking about all of this. Um, have you thought about what happens? I I often hear as a psychotherapist, Lauren. I don't know about you, but um, people saying to me, "Gosh, you know, it all started when I got bullied or teased." Uh, for my body or like my Mm. size or looking different and it just you know I think there's a lot of that that sticks with people when they start getting teased very early on maybe even Mm. first grade especially middle school but um, I don't know if you thought about like what to do about like the bullying and the body shaming that kids do to each other which is so impactful absolutely and you know I think when you deal with that, especially later in life, and they bring and and people bring these very yes, sad stories memories. right mm-hmm. to to therapy, they have more adaptive information, or they're able to kind of see. Oh, children can sometimes be really mean, you know, so it's easier mm-hmm. for them to then process later on. But as a child, there's it's very little capacity. Absolutely, mm-hmm. has very little capacity to see that. They just see as you know this kind of 2d mm. event almost like ah uh, there is something wrong with me I think it, it it may be really helpful to try and bring the kids together to actually have conversation around absolutely you know what we, was, yeah. what was actually happening there you know yeah I think um so we we did discuss it a little bit as well before I think there are spaces in the schools that are already made I don't know about the USA but I know in the UK we have I think it's called PHSE but I, I think it might have changed by now um, and then in South Africa we've got um, classes called life orientation and those spaces can be used to discuss those things bullying and how that could be impacts I know at school I definitely had classes where we, we spoke about specific incidences um, and how that's affecting the kid and how we can improve going forward as a, a class or as um a year mm. so I mm. think those spaces can definitely be used like that and we I think this is something we would be happy to come into and and try and educate so it, again it's also about awareness and education at such a young mm. age we need it, it's 
because and I think checking in with why people are bullying. So we had a conversation the other day about, you know, we often there is a bully and then there is someone that is being bullied and then we console the one that's being bullied, bullied and we don't check in with the bully and say, what's actually happening? Are you okay? You Maybe know? something is happening at home that they're not talking about either. I think also perhaps that's why those safe spaces again and having perhaps those befriending systems where where people that are a little bit older can try and help might be able to, they, they might be feeling more comfortable coming to those people and speaking about it. Mm. Perhaps that's, mm. that's something that could be pushed in schools. Yeah. Mm. But it's, it's a tricky one to deal with. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think that's, that's, a, that's been going on for forever. Um, but I mean, also, I think something we're dealing with, I don't know your take on it, something we're dealing with more now than at least I didn't deal with growing up, but, you know, the social media, there's the bullying online. Mm. And, um, you know, there's that whole aspect, too, of, gosh, how do you, have you thought about the prevention of, you know, if there's any education you're doing about the whole social media thing, just to your point you brought up earlier about like the filters and like what they're seeing online and if they that's having an impact on, you know, how they see themselves or their ideas about food or, you know, just other things. Like, have, have you thought about if that's an educational component or something to bring into the schools as well? Definitely. Yeah. I definitely think that again needs to be um spoken about at schools mm-hmm. and and again those those um classes or those specific times where we can talk about those it needs to be spoken about again because again those are very unrealistic standards to uphold so then if, if young people are looking at you know beautiful actresses and beautiful models and perhaps some of those people might also be practicing very unhealthy habits to maintain a perfect body Mm-hmm. that's where we need to also be saying actually this is not the reality these things are airbrushed this is what's happening and mm-hmm. educating young people on these unrealistic body images mm-hmm. and body standards that mm-hmm. they, they, they're unattainable what what I used to do is actually bring a group of you know young people in and actually go through their Instagram oh, wow. right so you go through the different pages and who they're following and also what they posting and to, you know lots of posts around food and their own body and you know and really just opening dialogue around that and that was often so powerful yes because because the young people are following very impressionable people you know actresses models whatever mm-hmm. instead of following people that actually are perhaps we can we can um put emphasis on like intelligence and achievements mm. and that type of thing if we're putting that sort of emphasis on on having a good personality and being a kind person and um, achieving well perhaps talking about those more than having um, an emphasis on what you look like at such a young age perhaps that's a more healthy way of directing mm. that sort of mm. that sort of yeah and I think more discussion around you know how do we define beauty how do we define attractiveness because often when I ask people you know what do you you know what do you think about if someone walks in you think they're the most attractive person and but then they're horrible to the old man on the street no 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 Lauren that is you know often people say I don't find that to that no she doesn't she's not that pretty anymore and I said well exactly, exactly. <laughs> but there's so many more components to attractiveness 
And it is some, it's often confidence and how you relate with others and how you connect mm. and your helping nature and your mm. empathy and da 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 da. You know, yeah. many different characteristics that also contribute to one's attractiveness and beauty. So going through those sort of, you know, if you got were to go through Instagram with your clients and you say, but why are you following that person? Why are you following that person? Why do you start following people that have got an amazing voice? don't necessarily look like anything special, but have got an amazing voice. Those are the types of people I think we need to be like following and, and seeing. And maybe that's what the education at a young age needs to be around. Is that there needs to be an emphasis on more wholesome, holistic people mm. instead of just focusing on body, body, Actually, body. the reality is because yeah. we're all individual. We all have different strengths and different weaknesses and making a little bit more normative well that's diet culture for you right that you only have that oh. worth if you look a certain way right this is the sad part we need to try get rid of this exactly. yeah absolutely. And hopefully by doing that at a, an earlier age and bringing awareness and, and indicating at an, an earlier age we can make a tangible difference mm. i think yeah we hope we hope yeah, I think I actually remember reading this somewhere years ago where my kids were asked, would you rather be, you know, beautiful and thin or intelligent? And the majority said, you know, beautiful and thin. And I, I just went, that is the saddest thing. Like, what's yeah. happening here? What Our values were so skewed. Like, mm. what? Like, yeah, uh, yeah that, that killed me. I was like, okay, we, we need to fix this. This is, this is wrong. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe then another another conversation at a young age needs to be around what you're valuing, mm-hmm. what you're prioritizing, what what is important to you. Is looking good important to you, or is being smart and achieving and you know world peace more important to you? Saving the environment, saving the whales. Is something is something more worthwhile, more important? Perhaps those are the types of conversations we need to be having. At starting at a younger age rather than only thinking about your career and all of that when you get older well a lot of us are you know at least in the states you know that's 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 where I get up in arms you know that's the social media for you right that's what we're valuing here too so Mm, and you can change that so we're like you're doing you're fighting the good fight and and (laughs) there's like a bigger you know something bigger than you out there that's uh you know I, I appreciate that you're out there doing something that's you know there's there's something bigger than you that's uh counter to all the messages you're trying to get out there and all the good work you're doing so I don't know how you feel about that like how (laughs) how is that you know absolutely and I think we often have these sort of conversations and I always say the moment I lose hope for you know the people that I work with and the people that I see then then I need to quit being a therapist forever and I you know, I, I do believe that we have to start somewhere. Absolutely. You know, small steps. Yes. And, you know, what's that beautiful saying? And, um, you know, you may plant the seed, but you may not see yeah, the tree grow. The tree grow, but at least you're planting some sort of seed, Absolutely. right? And that's really beautiful. And I and I just hold on to that and Absolutely. Hope that we make even a small impact. Mm. I think it's very it will be very, very hard to see if this would make change. But I definitely think it's worthwhile as starting these sort of conversations at an earlier age because the, the alternative is that people start having an eating disorder at such a young age and they're stuck with it. Most of them are stuck with it for 
a long time. You don't just get rid of it so quickly. So if there is a way for us to have healthy conversations in a safe space at a younger age so that this is not impacting them as much, that's a win. Even if we don't, even if we don't, you know, get rid of eating disorders completely, you know, <laughs> even if we're just reducing the sort of impact that it's making on somebody's life just a little bit, I think that's awesome. Definitely, yeah. definitely a big win. And that's why I think that's also why we're called the hope space, because we will always have hope for somebody, even when they are at almost at the end. We are there. We will be fighting the good fight for them. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's exactly why it's called the hope space, actually. I love that name. I, I don't have my office anymore, but um, one of my postdoc interns bought me a little figurine with a, a balloon that had hope in it. And I opened that in my office and I was like, if you lose this, we're in trouble, right? Like, yes have that it's so important right so i love your name it's great um, thank you <laughs> thank you um, but you know i i have to say even these conversations part of the reason i do the podcast too i don't know who's listening i never know it's like we're talking into you know space here but i hope <laughs> right is that somebody out there is listening and these conversations do have some effect on somebody and you just don't know yeah when or who and so I do appreciate you having this conversation because it's something and it's different mm-hmm. and it's yeah one or two the big message out there so I you know again my fingers crossed this hopefully is reaching people and it's going to spark something in somebody's mind and absolutely 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 that's the, that's exactly the goal yeah. So I appreciate you guys being on here. How can people find you? You have wonderful social media out there. I love following. Oh, you thank you. If people want to find you, learn more about you. How can they? So we have. Um, we're mostly on Instagram. So it's the Hope Space. It's called the Hope Space on Instagram. Um, and then we also have a website, uh, which is also the Hope Space. www.thehopespace.co.uk um, and then we're also on TikTok, which is also called The Hope Space. Everything is The Hope Space. If you just search for The Hope Space, we're on every single, single like social media platform you can think of. And um, uh, we, we've also got a, a playlist on Spotify and Apple Music. So you can find us there as well. And then we've also got sort of like a recovery toolbox, if you will, on the social media platforms. So again, all the links are like in our social media platforms. Um, and so we're creating a lot of tools that can hopefully help um, people mm. manage their, their emotions in the moment um, and cope in a healthy way rather. Mm. Mm. Um, that's that's at least the aim. But yeah, so we've got um, Instagram, we've got the website, we've got TikTok, we've got Apple Music, <laughs> Spotify, <laughs> we've got so much, but everything is the hope space. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you guys so much for being here. I know it's much Thanks. later for you out there. Yeah. So for staying up late I appreciate all of your time no that's all brilliant. of your work thank is you much. thank you right, thank you for thank having you us for having us This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered It is given with the understanding that neither the host The publisher or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.